to the moon. I can't believe what's happening here. I got And now, History Boulevard with John Oakley. Back in 1971, 15 American table tennis players, uh, team officials, their spouses, crossed a bridge from Hong Kong into China. It was considered to be uh, a major diplomatic coup and kind of opened things up, the frosty relationship that had existed during the Cold War between the communist Chinese and the Americans, uh, thawed in part, and uh, who would have thunk it at the time? And, of course, part of that contingent was Judy Horfrost, the youngest member of the 1971 U.S. table tennis team. I believe Judy was in high school at the time. Uh, one of the players, as I say, at the center of this curious moment in world history. Let's get Judy Horfrost in here on the line today from Portland, Oregon. Judy, good to have you on board. Good afternoon. Hey, John, nice to talk to you. Well, do you recall this date, the significance of it, historically speaking? I mean, we're going back now over 50 years. Yeah, you're you're dating me here, but I was <laughs> I was just 15 then, so you can do the math. But uh, yeah, it's been um, there's been just tons of interest of it, you know, since then. Uh, I mean, intense interest in it then at that time. You know, I was interviewed by Barbara Walters on the Today Show and, you know, I I mean, I'll, it just it was just a huge media thing. And uh, and it's followed me my whole life. We just had the 50th anniversary two years ago. And and um, there was a whole huge renewed interest, all the news networks and everything. So you were lucky your guy got through to me today. I'm telling you, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, there's so, so many requests for interviews even today. Well, that's good to know. Uh, yeah, he's pretty sharp. Michael J. Downey, uh, when he comes to sourcing people and uh, getting to the heart of a story, there's nobody better. Tell me how this all came about, though, originally. Yeah, so um, we, our team went to the, we were the team that was going to the World Championships in Nagoya, Japan, 1971, the spring. And in those days, the World Championships was every two years, um, and it lasted for two weeks. And uh, I, I had just made the team by the skin of my teeth. I was the youngest and uh, my first time out of North America. And uh, and this was also the year that uh, the Chinese table tennis team was playing in the World Championships for the first time since uh, the beginning of the Cultural Revolution. And so there was a lot of mystique over the Chinese team because they had not been seen internationally. They had not been playing. We didn't know if they were still the best in the world. They had been the best in the world um, before that. And uh, so it was really super exciting that they were, you know, actually going to be there and play. And, and, um, and you know, so they were doing very well in the tournament. We were doing well in the tournament. You know, we were not doing so well in the tournament. <laughs> we were actually way down the list, uh, uh, you know, internationally. I mean, table tennis is, is, was a, is a very big sport in the world, and especially then and now. And all the nations in the world play table tennis. So U.S. wasn't you know, at the in the top tier. And the Chinese team, of course, was at the top of the top tier. But um, it just so happened at the, the last day of the tournament, we received the invitation from the Chinese team to go to China. And uh, we had a quick meeting. The team got together. Are we going to accept this, uh, 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 this opportunity or not? And how many days will will we go and all that kind of thing. But it was decided we would go and um, the rest is history. As far as that's concerned, uh, confirm or deny that uh, instrumental in sort of 
initiating this or starting the the, the dominoes to fall, uh, a 19-year-old U.S. player, Glenn Cowan, uh, went on a shuttle bus. The Chinese team was there. They exchanged gifts, uh, more or less, and it sort mm-hmm. of broke a lot of the ice. Is that where the whole genesis of this story sort of is rooted? Well, this at the time, we, we knew that had happened. Glenn was super excited about it. Glenn was an outgoing personality, and um, he it's true, he got on the wrong bus. <laughs> and uh, he kind of was, you know, he flew his own flag and, you know, went, went his own way, and, and that's what happened. And uh, uh, Chong Sutong, who had been three times world champion before, um, they disappeared from the world scene um, is the one who, uh, you know, called him over when they were on the bus. He called him over and he gave him a, a, a beautiful printed uh, silk scarf. And then, of course, uh, Glenn didn't have anything to give him at that time. But then he found in the in the the caves of Nagoya, there's all these underground shops. And he found a T-shirt that had the American flag and said, let it be. And he found a good time when we were walking into the uh, the stadium um, where the matches were played, and he um, there were found a time when there were actually cameras rolling, and he um, and he and he gave that to Chuang Tung. and so we didn't know if that's really at the time what what uh, prompted the team to invite us. I mean, they were inviting other. T- other teams from other countries to come after the Worlds as well. We weren't the only team that went, but we were, of course, the most, you know, visible team when Mm -hmm. it happened. But, but yeah, so, you know, we didn't really know until years and years later, you know, what part that may have played. Uh, Chuang Sutung, we went for a We'd go all the time for not all the time, but we've been I've been several times for um, to China for um, uh, for like reunion vis- visits to China. And on one of these, I think it was the 40th, um, uh, Chong Sintong was sort of our he was with us and he kind of was a tour guide and he was making I might have been the 35th, excuse me. But anyway, he was make he was uh, he made a a lot of talk about how that actually made the difference in the invitation to come to China. Now, what I've actually heard is that uh, uh, Chairman Mao had uh, was going to sleep that night. He had taken his sleeping pills. He had told his secretary, do not ever follow my orders after I've been taking the, these pills. Don't follow my orders. So anyway, he, he's taken his sleeping pills. He hears about the team you know, this this exchange between Glenn Cowan and Chong Tung, and he uh, said, go ahead and invite the team, because it had been under consideration, apparently, but he said, go ahead and invite the team. But, but and here she goes, but, but Chairman Mao, you said, do not, you know, do what you say after you've taken sleeping pills. And he said, no, do it. <laughs> so <laughs> right. that's, the, that's the story that we've heard, you know, many, many years later. Um, but whatever the case, um, we did receive the invitation on the last day of, of the World Championships, and two days later, we entered China. How were you received? Um, in China, we were received very well. I mean, it was really, it was a really different experience. It was kind of funny. It was very surreal to me because it was really, really different from anything that I had ever experienced in my life. I've never, of course, I had never been outside of North America, but everything in China was, was 
really different. And actually, everything in China in 1971 was really different from everything in China to this day, because mm. China in that day was just a, in a unique time of history in the midst of the Cultural Revolution and, and all that was happening then and the isolation they were under. But, uh, but, when, but I, I will never forget when we walked into China, we took a train to the border from, we took a train from Hong Kong to the border, we walked across the border, and while we walked across the border, it was this rousing, patriotic Chinese music over the loudspeakers. I felt like I was in a, a movie. And then we had tea and, you know, speeches. And then the people, when they spoke, you know, they would speak in, in Mandarin, and then we'd get the, the uh, English translation, but they spoke so stridently. And, and I think this was just the way they spoke during the Cultural Revolution when they were making these big speeches all the time. But, but anyway, uh, everyone in China was very nice to us. I mean, I learned a ton. You know, most of, most of what I learned uh, about the Chinese, you know, philosophy and everything, I learned from, like, the interpreters on the bus. We would have lots of questions for them. Well, why is China doing this? Why is China doing that? Why, you know, what is the philosophy towards women? And, you know, all these different things that we would ask. And, you know, I learned a ton about the, you know, the official line of what what they thought they were doing in China. But uh, and then the people on the streets, they kind of looked at us, you know, like they didn't know who we were and why we were there. I mean, we stuck out like a sore thumb. I mean, we you did not see very many um, Caucasians, you know, in the streets. And uh, so we we did get a lot of stares and, and confusion. I don't think that People Judy, in general really knew who we were. Did you have an appreciation for, let's say, uh, subsequently at least, uh, that this was a monumental occasion, and they say it was ping-pong diplomacy that helped thaw the Cold War? Uh, Richard Nixon went to China shortly thereafter, and, you know, uh, the situation had changed. We might now have come full circle with current tensions, and uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but in closing, would you say that, uh, did you have any appreciation, albeit you were a schoolgirl, that this was a significant moment in history? Well, the minute we were invited while we were in Japan, we were surrounded by um, reporters and there were they didn't know if we would have any um, news people that would be able to go in with us. People, everyone wanted to know what, you know, what's going to, you know, wanted us to be their voice. So the New York Times and Newsweek and all the, uh, you know, Associated Press and all the news agencies were soliciting uh, not me so much i'm i was 15 but um all of the grown-ups there were seven there were seven players and the others were uh players uh, were officials and spouses but they were uh, you know soliciting all of us to to uh take photos to video and and write articles and all that before we went in so we were getting a huge amount of, of attention i spilled a coke at the sayonara party and I, there were like a hundred flash bulbs that went off, um, <laughs> you know, just for little old me spilling a Coke. Mm. But um, when we got into China, it was very subdued. I mean, the press there was not in our face, not like it like it is here. But when we left China after our eight day trip, we left the same way we came in. We uh, we went. We took a, a flight to. Um, Guangzhou and a train to the border, walked across the border and got on a train to go to Hong Kong. On that train, that's when I realized the full scope of what was happening because that train was just jam-packed with reporters. You couldn't even move. And 
and a, one reporter thrust a paper in, in my a newspaper in my face and said, look, there's a picture. There, this photograph of you is shaking Cho and Lai, hands with Premier Cho and Lai, was picked up by Associated Press, and your photo is on the front cover of every newspaper in the world. How do you feel about that, Judy? <laughs> so it was pretty crazy. You know, it was, uh, you know, I, I was the I understand that I was the first one back to the country. I flew into San Francisco. I was by myself at that point in San Francisco. And and 15 years old, they led me to a stage, said, come with us, led me to a stage, didn't ask my permission, but just put me on, in a stage with, you know, hundreds, thousands, maybe, I don't know. It was just a huge room full of reporters and asking me questions and, you know, what's my, how do I feel about, you know, well, it was a monumental to China t- and all these. Certainly, uh, it was a significant date. That's why we're marking it. 52 years ago, hard to believe, but April 10th, 1971, 15 yeah. American table tennis players, including Judy Horfrost, who uh, joined us from Portland, Oregon today, uh, was part of that American contingent that visited China, and they say ping-pong diplomacy helped to thaw the Cold War. Judy, by the way, is a member of the USA Table Tennis Hall of Fame and owner of Patty Palace Table Tennis Company. Listen to The John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on Earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.